Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 11 from the World English Bible. Then all Israel gathered themselves to David, to Hebron, saying, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. In times past, even when Saul was king, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. Yahweh your God said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over my people Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and David made a covenant with them in Hebron before Yahweh, and they anointed David king over Israel, according to Yahweh's word by Samuel. David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, also called Jebus, and the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, were there. The inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You will not come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is David's city. David said, Whoever strikes the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, went up first and was made chief. David lived in the stronghold, therefore they called it David's city. He built the city all around, from Milo even around, and Joab repaired the rest of the city. David grew greater and greater, for Yahweh of armies was with him. Now these are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who showed themselves strong with him in his kingdom, together with all Israel, to make him king, according to Yahweh's word concerning Israel. This is the number of the mighty men whom David had. Jashubim, the son of a Hakamanite, the chief of the thirty. He lifted up his spear against three hundred and killed them at one time. After him was Eleazar the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Pass Damim, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where there was a plot of ground full of barley, and the people fled from before the Philistines. They stood in the middle of the plot, defended it, and killed the Philistines, and Yahweh saved them by a great victory. Three of the thirty chief men went down to the rock to David, into the cave of Adullam, and the army of the Philistines were encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem at that time. David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. The three broke through the army of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink any of it, but poured it out to Yahweh and said, My God forbid me that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? for they risked their lives to bring it. Therefore he would not drink it. The three mighty men did these things. Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was chief of the three, for he lifted up his spear against three hundred and killed them, and had a name among the three. 
Of the three, he was more honorable than the two and was made their captain. However, he wasn't included in the three. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabziel, who had done mighty deeds, killed the two sons of Arael of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in the middle of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. In the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam, and he went down to him with a staff, plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. Benaniah the son of Jehoiada did these things, and had a name among the three mighty men. Behold, he was more honorable than the thirty, but he didn't attain to the three, and David set him over his guard. The mighty men of the armies also include Asahel, the brother of Joab, Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem, Shemoth, the Herorite, Helez, the Pelonite, Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite, Abiezer, the Anathathite, Sibichai, the Hushthathite, Ilai, the Ahohite, Maharai, the Netophathite, Heled, the son of Baana, the Netophathite, Ithai, the son of Rubai of Gibeah, of the children of Benjamin, Benaniah, the Pirathonite, Hurai, of the brooks of Gaash, Abael, the Arbathite, Asmavath, the Bahuramite, Eliabah, the Shaalbanite, the sons of Hashem, the Gizanite, Jonathan, the son of Shagai, the Herorite, Ahiam, the son of Sakar, the Herorite, Eliphal, the son of Ur, Hafur, the Mechorathite, Abijah, the Pelonite, Hezro, the Carmelite, Naarei, the son of Esbei, Joel, the son of Nathan, Mibhar, the son of Hagri, Zelak, the Ammonite, Naharei, the Berathite, the armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, Ira, the Ithrite, Gerab, the Ithrite, Uriah, the Hittite, Zabad, the son of Alei, Adina, the son of Sheza, the Reubenite, a chief of the Reubenites, and thirty with him, Hanan, the son of Maaka, and Joshaphat, the Mithnite, Uziah, the Ashcherathite, Shammah and Jeiel, the sons of Hotham, the Arorite, Jedael, the son of Shimri, and Johah, his brother, the Tizite, Eliel, the Mahavite, and Jerabai and Joshaviah, the sons of Elmaam, and Ithma, the Moabite, Eliel, and Obed, and Jeasiel, the Mesobeite. That is the end of chapter 11. There is a lot that First Chronicles 10 and First Chronicles 11 don't cover that are covered in 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 2 Samuel chapter 4 about King David and King Saul. I think it can be helpful to review that. So just in a very brief summary, it is 1 Samuel 16 where we are introduced to David's pending kingship and though his name is actually first mentioned in the book of Ruth in chapter 4, verse 17, because he is hers and Boaz's great-grandson. But in 1 Samuel 16, we also have David playing refreshing music for Saul, and then in 1 Samuel 17, he kills Goliath. 
in 1 Samuel 18, David and Jonathan make a covenant, and then in 1 Samuel 19, David flees for his life. In 1 Samuel 26, he refuses to kill Saul, even by proxy. He won't let one of his men do it. And in 1 Samuel 30, the Amalekites kidnap all of the families of David's and his men from the town of Ziklag, where they've been staying, and he inquires of Yahweh about going to battle. Then in that same chapter, in verse 31, we learn that Hebron was already one of the places where David was regularly taking refuge. 2 Samuel chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 say that it was three days after this battle that he and his men had to get all of their families back, three days after that, that he heard about Saul's death from that lying Amalekite who tried to take credit for Saul's death. And then in 2 Samuel 2, 3, David and his entourage go to dwell in the cities of Hebron, and here he is recognized as king by his tribe of Judah. However, in the same chapter, verse 10 specifies that Saul's son Ishbosheth is reigning over the rest of Israel for two years. And then in verse 11, we learn that David reigned in Hebron for seven years and six months. But that time period is not mentioned here in 1 Chronicles 11. It goes straight to when all of Israel recognized him as king and his subsequent conquering of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is first mentioned in the Bible in Joshua 10.1, where its current, its then kings, put together an alliance to attack Gibeon, those ones who tricked Joshua into making an alliance with them by pretending they were from a faraway country. But God tells Joshua he should honor this treaty, and this all leads to the battle where God adds great hailstones and the sun stood still for them. And then these five kings hide in a cave. But in spite of that victory, in Joshua 15.63, it says the tribe of Judah did not drive the Jebusites from Jerusalem, which is a little curious because it says in Joshua 18.28 that originally Jerusalem was within the boundaries of the tribe of Benjamin, although that is very close to the northern border of Judah's territory. And you can look in the American Bible Society Atlas, page 31, map 33, to see that. After the book of Joshua is Judges, and in Judges 1.8, it says that Judah had taken Jerusalem and set it on fire. But then in verse 21, it specifies that the tribe of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites. The Jebusites, as a people, are first mentioned in Genesis 15.21, when Yahweh makes his covenant with Abram, and then again in Exodus 3 and 13 and 23, where it's emphasized that these people are among those whose land will be given to Israel. And then they are mentioned again in Deuteronomy 7.1 and Deuteronomy 20.17, as well as Joshua 3.10 and Judges 3.5, where it says they still dwelt among them in Israel. So the Jebusites were some of those whom Israel married and then engaged in their idol worship with them. So then referring back to 1 Samuel 17.54, it says that Jerusalem is where David took Goliath's head, though it doesn't say exactly when he did this. And that is the last we hear about Jerusalem until 2 Samuel 5.5, which is parallel 
to 1 Chronicles 11 here. So it seems that something had changed somewhat in the attitude of the Jebusites if David had been able to go there before. Um, Now, for some reason, in 2 Samuel 5, 6, they thought they could insult David and not let him come up to the stronghold. And he obviously had some plans about this place to take it as his own. The text doesn't say exactly why David wanted to take Jerusalem, except to point out that it was a position of strength, a stronghold, and it becomes his city. And here in 1 Chronicles 11 is where we learn that that's how Joab got his position as the chief over all of David's army. The rest of this chapter, 1 Chronicles 11, is dedicated to talking about the heads of David's mighty men, who are also listed in part in 2 Samuel 23, 8-39. First of all, note that in 1 Samuel 22, we hear that there are 400 men with David, and then in 1 Samuel 27, 22, there are 600 with him, quite the traveling army. In order to compare the lists given in 2 Samuel 23 and here in 1 Chronicle 11, I made a chart, and I've taken a photo of it, and we'll have that listed on the website, thehappyhomeschool.com, under the Bible News Press section. So here are some highlights of what I discovered making that chart. Some commentaries try to make the numbers match, but there is no reason to do this. The list in 2 Samuel 23 doesn't even include Joab, so it is apparently a list for a different purpose. 2 Samuel 23 also lists three men by the name of Shammah, and they are distinguished by what tribe they are from, although a couple of those sound really close, but then two of them are from the same tribe, and so they say one is the son of somebody, but it is still very specific. and. If you count those three names, along with all of the names given in 2 Samuel 23, you get exactly 37 men, as stated in 2 Samuel 23.39. In 1 Chronicles chapter 11, where it begins talking about the mighty men in verse 11, it says in the World English Bible the number of the mighty men, and it also uses that language in the New King James Version. But places like Young's Literal Translation and the Christian Standard Bible give us a sense that this is an account, the following were. So this is a list, but it doesn't give a number anywhere, and it doesn't say 37 anywhere. It just says they were heads, chiefs, leaders, and such. Now, some of the names can be reconciled pretty easily with spelling variations or by comparing other designations after the names. And all 37 from all 37 names from 2 Samuel 23 appear to be included in the more extensive list of 1 Chronicles 11, but this is not easy to see with all of them. For instance, Eliam in 2 Samuel 23 is said by some to be referred to as Ahijah due to the meaning of the name. Ahijah means brother of Yahweh, and Eliam means God as kinsman. So you could see how they might be interchangeable. And this is supposed to be the Eliam who is Bathsheba's father, according to some people. We talked about that when we were reading through the books of Samuel, and it seems very likely, but it's not spelled out precisely. 
The account about the three mighty men going to get water is in both portions of Scripture in 2 Samuel 23 and in 1 Chronicles 11. It seems that David pouring out the water as he did would have been honoring these men as he offers what they brought as worshiping to Yahweh rather than just to himself. The first fellow listed in both lists, he's listed in um, Chronicles as Jashabian, and I ask your forgiveness again if I am not completely consistent saying these names. I'm trying hard. So in 1 Chronicles 11, he's Jashabim, and then in 2 Samuel 23, he's Josheb Basabeth. Now, what comes up with him is that in 1 Chronicles 11, it is said that he killed 300 at one time, and in 2 Samuel 23, it says he killed 800, and people try to claim this is an error. But the descriptions are different enough. And I think I can offer some thoughts to show why I don't think this is a problem. It could very well be that this is referring to two different events. It is possible that the 300 occurred first and gained his position for him and became the standard for if you can kill this many men, you're really up there with the top of them. This may be why in verse 20, it is noted that Abishai is also recognized for having killed 300 men. So then the 800 men mentioned in 2 Samuel 23 is reference to him very specifically getting his nickname or appellation, which when it's translated means something sharp or strong, like a lethal spear. So he kept his position as the mightiest of the mighty men. And of course, I realize that the account doesn't portray it outright this way. I'm just showing the assumptions that other people are making and trying to reconcile the 300 and the 800 as the same event. Regarding the details of the battles, these show that David was surrounded by valiant and loyal men. God did not leave him isolated or friendless, even though that's how he was when he fled originally. And these men represent a large range of people, both from Israel and some not, notably Uriah the Hittite, Zelek the Ammonite, and Ithma the Moabite. Some of them are obviously from Israel, but others, it would take some more research to pin down exactly where they're from. When I was doing some of this research to try and figure out what connections I could, I came across an article on the website growingchristians.org that gives some suggestions of lessons that we can learn from these accounts of battles. First, the recording of individual names not only emphasizes the historicity of this, like I've mentioned, but it emphasizes God's interest in individuals. And these men were likely victorious because they were serving Yahweh in aligning with David. Yahweh helped them persevere against great odds and against their own physical exhaustion when the need arose. Specifically, Benaiah, and I'm pretty sure I did pronounce an extra N in there when I was reading the chapter, but this man, Benaiah, overcame two of Moab's best men. And that could be compared to spiritually battling the flesh, especially when you look at it in light of what happened with Moab causing Israel to sin when they first entered the land, if you recall the story of Balaam. 
Then also with Benaiah, it talks about him killing this Egyptian who was probably seven and a half feet tall. And this could be taken as similar to battling the world. And as Paul says in Ephesians 6, we are not battling flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So if you take the comparison that Israel was redeemed out of Egypt and we are redeemed out of the world, then right here you have two illustrations that bring together this idea of of we are battling both our own flesh by the Spirit and maturing as Christians and dealing with the world with our whole armor of God. And then remember that these men were originally men in trouble. They were in debt. They were in distress. They were discontented, as it says in 1 Samuel 22. Yet in alliance with God's anointed, they were victorious. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 